Hello and welcome to the Soundstage Audiophile Podcast. In this second season of the show, host Jordan Guth is joined by a new guest each episode who knows something about hi-fi that Jordan doesn't. And who knows, while he's learning about all of this, you might learn something too. So with no further ado, here's Jordan and this week's guest. Hello and welcome to the Soundstage Audiophile Podcast. Uh, We're doing something a little bit different this week than we've done previously. Uh, We're here again with Doug Schneider, the founder of Soundstage Network. And today I wanted to talk uh, to you, Doug, a little bit about our recent trip through Utah to Wilson Audio and then on to uh, the Netherlands very briefly and then over into Germany uh, with T plus A. Sounds good. Hello, Jordan. Thank you for coming on and uh, joining me on this. Um, So to kind of just set the stage for everyone that might not uh, follow the Soundstage Network on social media, we just did a a crazy eight-day trip from where we are based in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, to Provo, Utah, and then from Provo to Amsterdam. And then we were picked up in Amsterdam and driven to this beautiful little town in Germany to visit T plus A. That sounds wild when you say that out loud, especially... When you consider the amount of flights and the amount of things that we did, I I guess what a lot of people don't know is how these kind of trips actually got started. So can you kind of shed some light on how this madhouse of visiting these companies actually came to be? Yeah, it's kind of uh, an evolution. And when you presented the topic, I thought hey, how did this come to be? But there's a progression in it that's definite that probably started at least eight years ago. And, you know, YouTube was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And we were doing videos already, but I wanted to really up the game on video production uh, in terms of what we were doing, what the industry was doing. And um, I think, as you know, I talked to another guy named Chris. We don't have to say his last name, but there was another Chris, another Chris, because we still have a Chris. There was another Chris who was going to help create these videos. And it didn't pan out with the other Chris, but he, because he took a job elsewhere. And he introduced me to the current Chris, Chris Chitteroni. He said, you know, I don't want to leave you hanging. There's another guy, Chris, Chris Chitteroni. And he might be the guy. So I met with Chris and I had other projects on the go elsewhere in, a, in another business, but I also mentioned this part. And I said, I went up the game and I explained it. I want to do higher end video productions, higher end for us, higher end for the industry as a whole. And would you be interested? And Chris was already going with his own freelance business. He said, yeah, yeah. And so the first thing we did was let's profile companies. We want to make kind of insights into companies. And that was the first series, Soundstage Insight. But we had to keep it manageable. And so the very first one we did was Mer Audio, which is a company local to us. And that was important because we needed to be able to go back and forth in case we messed up. Like we were getting our feet wet in this. We had to figure out how to do a video production. We had to figure out how to do it on site uh, efficiently and get it right. And having a company local facilitated that. And we created that original Mer Audio video and it went over really well. Everybody looked at it as far as I know and said, oh, wow, that is a step up. The company loved it. We loved it. People loved it. So it was really a successful thing. So we started taking that video production on the road a bit. And I think it was pretty local. If I had to 
Remember off the top of my head, I think Paradigm was the next in Toronto, I think. Very close. Very close. Oh. I'm looking it up now, so I have the oh, cheats. Yeah. yeah. The second one was Axiom. Oh, Axiom. Yeah. So that's fairly close too. So that's about three hours from where we are. It'll add, yep. yeah, that's, that's right. That's right. Ian at Axiom was the next one. And that one turned out really well as well. And it showed us that we could do it on the road, that we could get this produced. And what was, what came after that? So again, I have the cheats. I don't yeah. have this good of memory. I wish I did. Uh, after that was actually the first one that I went on uh, with Chris and that was Totem Acoustics. Oh, We're, Totem uh, Acoustic in Montreal. Yep, yep. And we all did that. Another one that's and- fairly close. And that one did really well as well. So we were outside Ottawa because there were really where we're based. No other companies here. Maradio was done. We went to Axiom about three hours away. We went to Totem. And then where? Paradigm probably. Uh, so after that, I'm seeing one with Vivid, but I don't know if this was actually... We shot that in Montreal. Exactly. Yeah, the, the, yeah. There was an event there with Lawrence and the distributor at the time, and we shot that one in Montreal. So... After that, we actually went to Paradigm. So Paradigm is in Toronto. It's about four and a half hours away. And it was really fun. It was the first time we visited their facility, or at least uh, Chris and I visited the facility. Uh, And we did Paradigm. uh, We did Martin Logan. And we did uh, Anthem. Yeah, because for people who don't know, um, those three brands are all owned by the Paradigm group. And many of the Martin Logan speakers are made in the Paradigm factory. And Anthem products are made there as well, although they get designed elsewhere. Um, Martin Logan speakers get designed in Lawrence, Kansas, and then Paradigm or Anthem stuff is designed here in Ottawa, actually, near my home in in a separate center. But the products get manufactured in that Paradigm facility. And that really kind of upped it for us too, because that is a large manufacturer. And that- That was huge. So we had to up the game in terms of how we shot that. So it was a progression through those companies that are fairly local to us and of varying sizes. I think that was our first two-day trip, or yes. from what I remember. Yes, yes. And so, the two-day rule. The two-day exactly. rule is important. We that kind of forged. So when you go to these companies, particularly if it's unknown, um, one day is not enough. You're going to be scrambling. You're going to be missing something. Three days is too much because not that it wouldn't be worthwhile to shoot for three days, but people get tired of you within three days. You start interrupting the flow of normal business stuff. And this is a secret I've given away. If another magazine is going to do it, you don't want to go for longer than two days. Don't make yourself unwelcome. Two days is perfect. Nobody's sick of you yet. You don't want to leave with everybody sick of you. You want them wanting you to come back. Exactly. Um, And then the next jump from that, because that was a a pretty big uh, company jump from what we were doing previously. The next jump, I'm seeing the Hegel video. Now, the Hegel video was not one that I was on. I think that was the first international trip. And I believe that was just you and Chris. You could correct me. That one actually had a different uh, vibe. So Chris and I talked at the beginning about who would have to go on the trips. And, um, you know, he's got there's Chris Chitteroni, we should outline to everybody, he's the chief videographer, that's the title. And then there's yep. either you or Jeremy Prudhomme to assist him. Would I need to be there for them all? And for all of those original um, videos, I was. So in that case, we did a test. And in that time, we were aiming at producing just one video per company. We were focused yep. on one insight per company. So we sent... Chris and Jeremy 
and I stayed at home and I always do the interviews because I know the companies better and that sort of thing. And, and everybody on the video team was pretty new to audio then. So I had to, and we said, let's have me do it by Skype, set up a Skype camera there and it, and it went well. It went really well. It was one of our most popular videos actually, but it wasn't as good doing the interviews by Skype. It, lost the connection of being there. I was there interviewing the person. They could see my face. We could go back and forth. But when I was on site, Chris and I in general could pick up on little things and say, oh, maybe we should cover this. Oh, this. And so that taught us that it really had to be me there, Chris there, and then either you or Jeremy there, a three-person team. That's what that taught us. And that's been the formula to this day. Yep. I, I think it's important because we usually film probably like a few hours worth of interviews to get to the five-minute videos that, that people end up yeah. seeing on the soundstage Each YouTube interview channel. is about 30 to 45 minutes of actual interview time. And two people show up on video for only five minutes. So exactly. an hour and a half of interview gets cut down to five minutes. Yeah, exactly. And when you think about that, that seems kind of like crazy, but there's a lot that happens in those interviews that get to those really great sound bites that we end up getting. And with you in person, one, you can kind of get a sense for how the, the people are responding and how the people are, are kind of handling the questions. Um, but it also kind of creates this energy where you feed off of one another. Yeah. So they might ask you something, you might ask them something and it kind of goes down a different path. And you're like, I know how we can make this into an additional segment or something like that. Yeah. And you don't really get that same sense when you're sitting behind a screen. Exactly. And you're missing most of the day too. So, you know, in that trip, I was only there for the interviews. I wasn't there to see what was going on or other things that might be going on and that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, you also luck out and maybe, maybe you not being tired gives you better interview skills, <laughs> but at the same time, not going through the, the kind of stuff doesn't really kind of uh, have the same energy level that maybe the video team has. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And so that taught us that we needed a team of three. And then when we go from that, the, the next ones that I'm seeing, I'm seeing PSB. So that's again in Toronto. Actually, um, we shot that one in Ottawa here at NRC. And Toronto. That was we, yeah, we did that over two days. So we shot Paul at NRC where he was designing the speakers, Paul Barton. And yep. then we shot additional uh, interview footage at the um, Lenbrook slash PSB facility in Toronto. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And then the next kind of chunk of them, this was another trip that Chris and I accompanied you on, and it was to England. Right. And that was probably our first overseas trip as a complete team of three. Exactly. And the other special thing about this trip was that we didn't just stick to one company. Yeah. Where did we go? We did Kef and we did Monitor Audio. Yep. Yep. That's right. So then we started getting into this habit of making these trips about seven to eight days, yep. um, trying to find different companies in roughly the same geographical area uh, and and kind of combining this all to make it a little bit more economical because it's not cheap to get flights to a foreign country and to travel with all of our luggage and all of that fun stuff. Yeah, and that's that's a thing. So it has to make business sense. And what a lot of people don't realize is Soundstage funds these videos. And the travel and 
production and all that. So once we knew we could produce these videos, we then had to make them more efficient. And that meant producing more than one video at a company and then tackling more than one company. And to this day, we go for two companies at minimum in a week. Yeah. Occasionally and, and three. that stretches. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Occasionally three, if you can slot one in the middle, if it works geographically. Now, these two companies will be roughly usually and not like this last trip. And we'll get into that. That was not <laughs> even close, but it was two companies. Um, but yes, minimum of two companies, sometimes three, if we can squeeze something in the middle, uh, two days at each. If we squeeze something in the middle, it's going to be one day, but we'll usually be there for a briefer thing or we'd come back for two days. And then fly home. And never more than that, though, because just like the two-day rule, um, where you don't want to stay at a company more than two days, we don't want to be gone for more than a week because otherwise our energy gets sapped. And we wouldn't do justice going to yet another company the next week because by the time these trips are over, as you know, we're exhausted. Yeah, uh, literally, I think, uh, so we landed yesterday at 1 a.m. Yeah. Uh, so I'm feeling it still. Uh, I know you are. And I know that Chris is as well. Yeah. So 100% trying to keep it within a week. It's a lot of go, go, go. And then after that, we have uh, video content, usually two or three videos uh, per company that uh, we kind of then get into the editing room on and, and kind of space out in our delivery. Yeah. Maybe we could talk about how that goes when we get there, because it's rather interesting is that Chris and I usually spend the most time together because we gather the interviews right off the bat. And I'm giving yep. some secrets away again, but you do the interviews right off the bat in case somebody says something that you need to capture for the B-roll because you don't want them to say it at the end of the two days. You want them to say it at the beginning of the two days. So you get the shot and you or Jeremy are usually there running around and hardly saw you on the last trip because you're out doing yep. your own thing. And what is that? I don't even know what you do that entire time. Are you going for lunch, coffee, that sort of thing? I mean, I usually just sit down in the factory and, and kind of look and see what people are doing and comment on their work. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's kind of interesting. And we can tie this in a little bit to the, the current trip. And maybe what we'll do, why don't we take a break now? Uh, and then when we're back from the break, we can talk about what it's like to get to a company for the first time, what it is we do and kind of the, the process. And we could tie it to the example of our most recent trip, which was to Wilson and T plus a very yeah. far away places. Okay. Very, very far. So we'll jump into a break and in just a couple minutes, we'll be back and we'll get right into it.
Welcome back to the Soundstage Audiophile podcast. We are still here with Doug Schneider. Uh, just before the break, we were talking about uh, kind of the inception of the Soundstage videos where we go to different companies to kind of highlight uh, their story uh, for the Soundstage audience. Now, what we were talking about, Doug, was kind of how this process starts when we decide that we're going to go to a company. And I think the first thing that uh, uh, Chris and you and then me, Chris and you uh, talk about uh, or Jer, I should say, uh, talk about before we go to the company is what is the story about that company that we're interested in? What is the story that we kind of want to get across to the soundstage audience? What do we want to kind of tell them? Uh, do you have any thoughts on kind of how you come up with that? Yeah, so we do many other series besides the insights at each company, uh, but the insights are still the, the the crux of why we go there. Like we have the shorts, sometimes we have the real hi-fi. These are kind of add-on videos that we create. But the insight idea is we tell the story of a company through a product or products or technology. So we don't just tell the story of the company, hey, the so-and-so started here, there, there. We focus in on a product, usually a new one, maybe one that's going to be released that they've let us in on. And we tell the story of the company through that product. And that product usually will then represent the company in some way, obviously, maybe be the best representative of the company. But that's the idea. And so we go there with a rough idea of what we're going to be able to deal with. And I would say that gives us 40 to 50% of knowing what we're going to deal with. Then within the first hour or two, once the interviews start, we look around and that's one thing we do as soon as we get to the companies, we say, give us the quickest tour imaginable, 15 minutes to give a lay of the land. And then we can say, okay, now this gives us an idea. And we've been to so many of these companies, we can formulate the ideas. And then when the interview gets started, okay, we can go a little here, we can go a little there. The rest of it comes to fruition. And there, there's something really interesting that these videos are not necessarily, um, I don't want to say they're not for the company, but they're not like just advertising speak. It, no. It's not us becoming an extension of the, the company's uh, marketing arm or anything like that. Um, there's very much a thought process behind this that we want to kind of show the companies to different audiences and tell them interesting things from our point of view. Right. It's our point of view. And I've had some heated criticism directed at me about these videos that they're too polished. I've heard that um, from other they're publications. They're too good quality, too they're high too quality. Good, yeah, but they're too polished, you know, and most of that came from other publications. You show up with a, an iPhone and start shooting. Um, and actually one manufacturer earlier this year said, oh, it's unnecessary to do that. And I said, well, that kind of speaks more about your product then too. If you think that's too high quality, well, imagine what you do to your product. Yeah. You know, if you think that's no, you put your best foot forward and you do it as well as you can. But the key is the videos are our videos. We we talk to the company and say, hey, we're going to come in. We're going to tell the story. What are the products? They have to tell us what products because we can't just randomly pick and choose. But the story comes from us. Chris and I lead the interviews. We get the people. They pick who they want to talk on the video, of course, because not everybody's comfortable on camera. But we say, okay, we're going to tell this story. Here's the story we're going to tell. And we capture all the footage. And then we go home. We edit all the footage. We produce what I would say is 98 to 99% of the final copy. And we say, 
Here's the story we produced. It all comes from the soundstage side. And there's rarely ever an issue, but occasionally the company will say, you know, I said that and that was actually wrong, like a specification or something. You got to be careful during these or interviews. Or a date. Like, yeah. yeah. Or they, or you might have shown something that's actually wrong, like in the B-roll, like, oh, that's wrong. Or, you know, we don't want to see that exact thing. Or maybe there was a person captured in the video that didn't really want to be there. And we're quite careful of that now, you know, make sure, is there anybody who doesn't want to be, you know, um, filmed give them a couple hours off so they're not captured in the thing. So there's very minor tweaks at the very end of that final stage, but it's 98 to 99% done. And it's, here's our story. And it's a really interesting in that many companies, when you're at the company working there, many of them don't know what their story is. When you're too inside you don't know what your story is, but it's very apparent coming from the outside in. Hey, this company's got a story. Like you can form the story in your head that they might not see. And many companies have come back and said, we would have never come up with that story. We would have never seen ourselves like that. Well, and this has happened a couple uh, of times on the trips that I've been on is they might, uh, different companies might not find something interesting that, like me personally, I just find fascinating or, or you kind of pick up on and you're like, why don't you talk about that? Yeah. Like, yeah. No, sometimes no, they're doing talking things. about this. Yeah. Sometimes they're doing things that are rather cool, you know, yeah. like at Wilson, you know, we jump in ahead here, but you know, the way they sign the inside of every oh. step of the way, that's yeah. actually really cool. And it's something, well, it came up in the podcast, I think yeah. is, is, oh, people don't know that maybe we should show that. And that gives us that opportunity to give that outsider view to say, you know, Hey, we're going to focus on this because this is kind of cool. It, it, Cause we're coming in kind of at the enthusiast level as well. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So without jumping too far ahead, um, after we kind of have that rough idea of the story that we're going to tell, um, we get there day one. Yeah. So, You've already kind of alluded to it. The first thing that we try and do when we get to uh, the companies is take a very, very short tour. Um, We've been on these kind of longer tours and and very in-depth, and it can be helpful to some degree. But uh, with us, we kind of like getting to the interviews right off the bat. So a very short tour. Um, After that, we kind of set up the interviews with the the main folks that we're going to start with. Yeah. Now... Once those interviews are being filmed, you asked what I kind of do. I, I yeah. don't just sit around and have coffee. Uh, <laughs> although depending on where we are, sometimes they just have really good coffee and treats. It's true. But what I end up doing is uh, I tour the factory, uh, either with somebody or without. Sometimes I'm just left to roam on my own. And I go capture some interesting visuals about things that I have a rough sense or, or kind of know are probably going to make it into an edit. Mm-hmm. So, so pieces of the manufacturing, pieces of the speakers. Some of these companies have like these extravagant, uh, like museum pieces, yeah, uh, yeah. or or museum sections. Um, others have built-in bars. <laughs> yeah, is, yeah, that happens, which is cool. Coffee and uh, alcohol bars, you know. Coffee and alcohol bars. Uh, others have stuff that is kind of memorabilia about the factory or about the the people that work there. Um, so I kind of capture all of that and get a kind of an overview of the content that is available. Now, after those first interviews, I usually come in and, and check in on you guys. And what happens from your perspective when I do that? Well, we kind of have formed 
a lot of, you know, what came out in the interview. And as you know, another thing that has to be done is a lot of this B-roll you shoot has to be matched up to the interview. And I think you and Chris probably at that point have more internal discussions than I have with you because I do the interview and I, I form the story with Chris, but Chris has to edit the whole thing and put it all together. So I would guess that he has a lot of discussions with you about make sure you label this, make sure you get this, make sure I know this, make sure you've got this, make sure, you know, whatever. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I usually touch base with you to get your version of how the interview went. And if there was anything, uh, kind of topical to talk about, Mm -hmm. uh, I do the exact same thing with Chris, uh, but I usually give him a little bit of a rundown on this is what I've already filmed. This is what we need to film. And he goes, yeah, you need to get more of this. We talked more about that. Um, and kind of that, uh, that back and forth. Yeah. With all of that, after the kind of filming at the company's done, and we, mm-hmm. we kind of talked about the two day rule and all that stuff. Let's skip ahead. Cause it's a lot of the same stuff over and over again. So on this trip, we started off by going from Ottawa, where we're based, mm-hmm. all the way to Utah. Mm-hmm. After we did the, the two days of filming, uh, what did we end up doing, Doug? Utah was a little different. Now, we usually go to Europe. And so what happens is we fly on Saturday evening and we get there on Sunday. And then we might do something on Sunday, a little bit late in the afternoon, but we're usually pretty tired. And you got to rest up for the Monday. In the case of Utah. So what happened to bring around that trip? Should I talk about that? Yeah. 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 Let's so talk about that we bit. don't like to do what we did that week. We like to keep it in similar geographic area, you know, at least reasonable proximity, but it wasn't working out to get anybody else in the United States in December at that time. And T plus A was there and it wasn't feasible to get anybody else in Europe at that time. So I remember calling Chris and you and saying, you know, this is going to be a hell of a trip between Utah and Germany. Like we're talking a day of travel, literally like 23 hours. I think we traveled and you guys yep. are like, yep, yeah, it's good. So um, <laughs> you got to make the whole thing a vibe. So we, we traveled to Utah because instead of overnight, we actually gained two hours and it's a one evening trip. So we were there really late on Wednesday night and then we're ready to go Thursday and Friday. And Friday as we went to the jazz game because we said, hey, let's take a night. Now, I don't know if that, okay, it was a good idea. It was a really fun time. It It was a good idea at the time. It was a good idea at the time. Now, it wasn't the best idea because we had to get up at 5 a.m. to start the journey to Germany on Saturday. So getting to bed at one when you have to get up at five for a 23-hour journey is not the best idea, but it was was a good idea because it built, you know, better, better team cohesion. Right. And it was fun. And you get to do something. And Utah was actually really good. The Wilson company was really good to visit. We had great food at lunch there, including that half pound of brisket. And uh, there's a ton of stuff to see there about 60 employees, that sort of thing. We were full shooting there. We had great Mexican food there on the Thursday night too, near our hotel. And, um, and the Utah people are the friendliest on the planet. Uh, like I said, in the, in some video footage we shot, you know, Disneyland's got nothing. It's not, Disneyland's not the happiest place on earth. It's Utah. Everybody loves Utah. I mean, our Uber driver drivers, I love Utah. I love it here. Right. For sure. Now I, I don't want to spoil any of the, the kind of Wilson stuff because we have a few different videos that are going to be coming out for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll, we'll skip on the details of that. Um, that being said, 
on your your comment of Utah people being happy, the Salt Lake City Airport, not just one, but multiple TSA agents were yeah. not just smiling, which you never see, but they were like enthusiastic and happy, 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 happy to and, see the passengers. Yeah. And like having conversations with me and like at first thing on a Saturday morning at like 6 a.m. on a Saturday morning. It was yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. yeah so, yeah. Uh, yeah, Utah, extremely, extremely happy. Um, we talk about travel. We talk about the 23 hour um, that it was 23 hours of planned travel. Yeah. Uh, as soon as we got to the airport, though. Yeah. Well, not as soon, as soon as we are through security. Oh, that's true, eh? Yeah, yeah. Getting so breakfast. is Yeah, that's it. As soon as we kind of sat down and started having breakfast, I got a little message on my phone that says, oh, by the way, your flight is canceled. Yeah, the uh, so we had to fly from Salt Lake to Chicago, Chicago to Toronto, Toronto to Amsterdam, where we were getting a car ride to Hereford, Germany. Where is Originally a train ride, but the train got canceled. The train got canceled, <laughs> so then a car ride. Yeah. Uh, and then when we got into the Utah airport and sat down, uh, funny enough, our actual flight was just canceled. Yeah. So just like here, your flight's canceled out of, out of Chicago. Yeah. And we're like, oh no, oh this. And I've, I've long worried on these trips and not that we cut it really tight, but something could go really wrong. And I thought, oh, yeah, this is the trip. Luckily it's only Saturday and we're going exactly. to have to be there Sunday, but something just went really wrong. So I'm not going to spoil all the fun, but we ended up getting yeah. into to Scheifel and we ended up making it r- roughly around the same time. An hour early, an hour early. I guess. Eh? Yeah, we were supposed yeah. to arrive at about 1040 and we arrived at 920 through just rebooking that came 15 minutes later. Yeah, making our lives that much easier. Yeah. Now, once we got in, uh, Chris ended up sleeping the entire way, but uh, yeah, me yeah, and you kind of toughed it out. And I think... Uh, collectively we probably got maybe three hours of sleep between the two of us between the two of us yeah it wasn't much more than an hour for me yeah yeah and that's what you got to decide when you get on these planes are you going to sleep you may or may not be able to sleep but even when you sleep you feel like hell because you're so uncomfortable so sometimes you just tough it out and we did get to germany some 23 or 24 hours later. And that's probably that Sunday afternoon, the tiredest I've been in years. Like, I don't even remember lying down for that hour sleep I take <laughs> when I get, I don't even remember. I don't remember. I, it was, it was a blur for sure. Yeah, but you lost your passport first. Remember? Oh yeah. That we'll save that for the travelers video. Cause there's yeah, some yeah. fun stuff in there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> suffice to say that these trips kind of get a little wild when, uh, when we get going on them. The other thing that I kind of want to just throw out there is once we're at these companies, something like Wilson was much different than T plus A because T plus A, uh, the soundstage video crew has already been there before. Yeah, that one was easier because they knew what to expect. Wilson, they didn't know what to expect. It became apparent that they liked what they saw after an hour or two. They're like, oh, these guys know what they're doing. These guys, you know, have done this before and that sort of thing. And they could, they didn't have to handhold us. Um, T plus A was like that the very first time. This was our third time there. We were there in April, 2022, I think. And the first time they didn't know what to expect. And that is, it's going to be unexpected from these companies. Like, hey, you got these camera guys coming in. What's going to happen? But this third time there, they knew, hey, set up your stuff in the room, get going. You know, yeah. we're around. Yeah, it becomes much easier. And again, I don't want to really spoil any of the stuff that's going to come out in these videos mm-hmm. um, for T plus A. So we'll, we'll skip kind of going into those details. But 
when it comes to the wrap up of these trips, mm-hmm. what happens then? So we go to these different companies, usually two. Uh, we we try and get some fun stuff in in between. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it's wrapping and we're kind of packing to go home, what is that all about? Yeah. So, you know, one of the things on this trip, and this is where not everybody could do these trips. And I got to credit you, Chris and Jeremy. Everybody gets along really well. Now it could usually no fighting, usually, usually no fighting. And you know what? You have to be cognizant of that. So everybody gets their same hotel room. I'm very um, aware that everybody needs their own space, right? Too much (laughs) togetherness, just like too many days at a company could end up in a massive brawl and everybody hating it and that sort of thing. But we travel together. You have to be into this vibe. Not everybody can do this type of thing. I know you know some video guys who just would not. Yeah, they would. Hey, are, are you gonna are you gonna be able to go away for six, seven, eight days? Basically, be on for twenty four hours a day. Maybe not sleep some nights and get really lousy sleep the rest of the nights and be expected to do everything and then come home. And many would just say no, no. But we make it into a whole vibe, a whole trip, a whole. Thing, and they all go differently and they all go great. I'm always amazed kind of and say, how could we better that last trip? Because that trip was a lot of fun. But hey, throw in the Utah Jazz game into this one, yeah. the whole five hours in the Chicago airport, but going into the lounge and hanging out all afternoon on Saturday afternoon, which is what we did when we had that long delay in the flight. Unlimited food. So Unlimited good. food and drinks and doing all that type of thing. Every trip has its own vibe. And I wouldn't say one's better than the other. They're just all usually really good. We've never had one go wrong, which is really good. I'm knocking on wood. Um, and then but- we, when, when we wrap up, though, and you were asking about that, there's a comes that point in the in the second day where, you know, Chris is like, I think we got it. And I'm like, you sure? We go over the last shot list and stuff. You better be sure, because this is another thing. Once you're leaving, you're leaving. Right. Yeah. And I don't get in your guys' faces like, you got all this backed up, right? Like we're not going to lose this footage <laughs> because you can't leave and lose the footage, right? Nobody can see this right now, but these are the three drives yeah. that I travel with. So I usually keep three copies of stuff uh, and I don't delete the memory cards on the last day because I don't no. need to reuse them. Uh, no. And then Chris has his own backups as well. Always anticipate something going wrong because it could. It hasn't, but it could. Exactly. Knock on wood. So... After everything is backed up multiple times, uh, we get home, we say our goodbyes at the airport. Uh, I'm going to gloss over uh, Chris's effort in a lot of the uh, the lot of the next step, which is actually editing and revising and going back and forth and, and producing the final video that that people see, um, which I'm sure only takes them like maybe a couple hours one afternoon. Um <laughs> that that was a massive <laughs> joke, by the way. <laughs> that was an inside joke that only you and him will understand. <laughs> uh, he probably spends, I'm going to say, days, if not weeks, on on edits, and then yeah. going over reviews from from Doug and other members of the soundstage team. Um, <laughs> what I'll ask next is, can you share uh, one of the videos that you you're either most proud of or you like the most? It doesn't need to be the the product that's that's kind of highlighted or the company. Uh, or it can be, but I'm, I'm curious to see, like for somebody out there that's never seen one of these and had to start somewhere, which one would you say, this is something that I, that I'm really stoked on. Check it out. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I can pick just one because I've like, I won't say just like, like all of them and all of them are good. They always come out good, but more than one stand out. Like for example, 
the first one we shot with Mur Audio was really kind of wow. We've cut, we we can do this. I really like that. Even back then, and if we were to shoot it again, it would be different and different approach and stuff with what we know now. And same with the, the original Axiom one was really fantastic in the sense of we really said okay, this really formed the opinion of where we are going. Uh, we did one at B and O. And amazingly enough, that was slotted in and we shot that in four hours, the whole thing, the interviews, no everything. Yeah, we we had this rush thing to get to B&O and we shot it in four hours. That's all the time we had there. We had to make it work and, and we focused it on, on one video, really. Um, we did a couple tiny things, but it was really the one video on the Baylab 90. And, and when you tell me we shot that in four hours, everything. And now Chris added it after. And then also, you know, even more recently, um, the hyphen at Monitor oh, Audio cool. being in on a launch of a loudspeaker like that and them scheduling it for exactly when they were starting to produce the real thing, the footage that people see in that video. And this is people will say, oh, you're too polished to this, to that. Oh, go to hell. Um, that was shot <laughs> while they were manufacturing. And a lot of people don't realize that. Wilson Audio, you were in there shooting as they were building the speakers. It was not staged for you. They were building those speakers. They were polishing them, cutting them, whatever. So those just jump out as different ones. And if I went through the other th other videos we've done, because there's been dozens of them, I would find things I like about each one, just like I like about each trip. That's yeah. what, yeah. I, I think that's well said. And, and you kind of touched on a few bits there. Um, hyphen was incredible because we were seeing them essentially go through the process of building those first final product speakers. So they were, they were still very open to changing things as they were building them. Uh, yeah. so the gentleman that I was filming was like, give me a second. I'm going to go ask about this and, and stuff like that. So I think that was really cool. Um, you, you kind of mentioned a couple of things there that I just want to highlight, uh, this stuff is not really staged. Like we may ask somebody to do something again to capture it from a different angle. Yeah. Uh, but, we, and we actually get this feedback at the companies. Sometimes video production crews come in and big teams uh, spend like hours and hours on a single shot. And that's great. Chris and I can actually do that stuff. Uh, I think I enjoy that stuff a little bit more than Chris. Chris likes the, the kind of running gun a little bit more. But what we do on these trips is try and get an authentic representation mm -hmm. of the company's process without giving away secrets. If they, if there's something, if they, that there they might do. be some manufacturing secrets and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We, we try and be very uh, thoughtful of that. Um, we try and do that as authentically as possible. Yeah. Uh, but Chris, Jeremy, myself, we all have very high standards that we want to reach when we do anything, any yeah. video work. Uh, so that's why it kind of comes across in the final product is being polished. You know, sometimes I kind of get frustrated on the factory floor. We were doing an interview at Wilson Audio and somebody kept starting up a lathe or CNC machine in the background and stuff. And we had to tell them to turn it off because you're like, I wish we could just clear this place out and get everybody just in here for the day, just doing what we want them to do. <laughs> but what they're seeing is actually a live factory. We're going 100%. in there and that's why we tell them, you know, hey, if anybody doesn't want to be in the video, just tell us now, go take a, a long lunch break or something because we're shooting in this room right now. And occasionally that happens. Somebody doesn't want to be in the video, fully understandable. And, but most people are really happy. And in fact, many people love it that you come in and they get to show off their work in a way. Many of these people, yeah. like they, they're working on speakers, you know, 
the people at Wilson Audio, people at T plus A, you can tell they're very proud of what they're making. Like when we're in there shooting that 2500 amplifier and also the Wilson Audio speakers, all the, the stuff they've got going, you're going in there and shooting them work. And many times people never see that. And 100%. that's kind of cool for them too, because many of them are crafting products. I'll say at the Wilson factory, you know, they, they, the craftspeople, they really take a lot of care and attention. That guy you were talking to, I don't remember his name, who was doing the paint polishing. Oh, right? that was unbelievable. Oh, unbelievably skilled. Un- and he, you know, he was quiet. He's not used to being on camera, but I could tell he was, he was pretty happy that we were focusing in on his work. Absolutely. And I, I think that's a good point you made, which is a lot of the time we're highlighting people doing things mm-hmm. like the hi-fi industry. How can I put this? The products that come out of these companies are the highest end of the the products that you'll find in the world. Mm-hmm. So um, like T plus A, like they had a, a watch manufacturer help design the box for their packaging for their, their headphones. Yeah. Yeah. Like they take a lot of care and a lot of pride in what they do and how they do it. And highlighting that, yeah, I'm sure it probably makes them feel uh, great that somebody is actually taking the care and attention to, to kind of push that forward and make it look as professional and as cool as possible. And to me, it's an important part of high-end audio, hi-fi in general, because you get on some of these Yahoo's, they're nothing but Yahoo's, Facebook, uh, keyboard warriors, the guys on Audio Science Review who praise every $500 thing or less out of China and that sort of thing. And they don't see the what goes into making these products. That 100%. they're often more than just something coming off an assembly line copied from somewhere else. There's a lot of a care and attention. And like I said, when we go in and we are telling the story of these companies, sometimes these companies don't think like, hey, you know, I just, you know, the watch type thing in the packaging. Um, yep. The package comes out and we go, that's a cool story and people should know about that. Yep. And and that's what we try to capture when we tell the story. That's the sort of thing, like, what are the things that are going to appeal to people? And not everybody's going to appreciate that. They're going to say, I don't care. I just want whatever cheap product, there, however it comes out. But no, when you look at the how things are made, why things are made, you know, what goes on, that to me is what forms this stuff. I 100% agree. Um, so in closing... I usually ask, what is the soundtrack to your life? Uh, I'm still listening to Lana Del Rey, so we can just pass that. We could skip that one. I know yeah. we were talking about different songs on the go. Um, for a final little wrap up question there, I'm trying to think of something fun. Um, you know what? Uh, I'll tell you what I'd like to wrap up with. This is a message that you, Chris, Jeremy, maybe we have to get across. Companies are sometimes feel a little intimidated by us coming in, particularly if we've been to a big company and they're like, oh, wow, we've only got two people, three people. Well, if you're doing something cool, we can tell that story. You know, even though we've been to so many companies now and some of them are really impressive, if somebody's doing something really cool, Vetus Audio, really cool. We did that in, you know, Denmark two months ago. That's amazing. 10 people only work there, but they're doing really cool bespoke stuff. Then, you know, the next day we're at Dali. Huge yeah, company, huge, huge company making thing. Then we're at Lingdorf Audio, 
after you missed that. Purify in there though well, too. Well, Purify came out. No, Purify came after Lingdorf. Remember those guys oh, came yeah, out the right. afternoon. Yeah, that's right, at, that's and, right. and Lingdorf itself is kind of a medium-sized company doing cool things. And then Lingdorf guy or Purify guy showed up at Lingdorf because they're related. Peter Lingdorf um, owns those companies: Lingdorf Audio, uh, Purify, um, Dolly. Dally. Yeah. And uh, so the Purify guys showed up that afternoon and they're doing totally different things. So I'll only say this. If there are companies, people that are listening, don't be scared to contact us. You probably yeah. have a story. If you're doing something good, if you're doing something like it doesn't matter, it's pedestrian, that sort of thing. But you might think that and you're actually doing something cool, no matter the size, though. That's a thing. You could have hundreds of employees. You could have just one or two. If you're coming from a network switch manufacturer, you can skip contacting us because we're not going. <laughs> yeah, the network switch, you know, still, <laughs> somebody was debating on one of the videos. Uh, if you're making a network switch and we show up, warning, you better be able to answer some questions. Okay? <laughs> we're not lobbing you that ball. You better be able to prove what you're doing. And that's kind of an inside thing. And hey, I'm still open to that. And you know what? Some network switch manufacturer, if they're doing something cool and they can prove it, I'm all in. Well, there you go. Um, I think that's a good place to end it for today. Uh, if you guys celebrate the holidays, happy holidays, all the best, and talk to you guys in the new year. Thanks, Jordan. This was fun.